How are you guys doing? Welcome over here. This episode is sponsored by K12.com. I'm going to go out here on a limb and say I do believe there's a chance that the Russian, well, Russia is currently trying to create a false flag scenario at the power plant in Inahar. Okay, the Ukrainians have been absolutely pounding the Russians on the southern side of the country over the last 48 hours. And I really think the Kremlin is going to get a little bit desperate here if they continue to sustain, sustain these kind of losses that we've seen. Not only, like, not only that, but they're going to be targeting them up inside of Belgorod. They have been, as well as, as which has been very clear, which is nowhere near the southern portion of the country. So now they're hitting them on the most northern edge of the country and down on the most southern side of the country. I have said this before, and I know there's others out there that, that believe this, uh, the same thought that it is, that, that I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, by the way. I'm, I'm not. But I believe there is a chance we are literally at the beginning of World War III. Like, this is a real thing. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but I have said this multiple times over the past few months. And I'm not saying it to try to put fear inside of people or drive home some crazy narrative. I just look at what is going on over inside of China as well. And the next thing I ask is, is if Putin is getting backed into a corner so bad, which he is right now, what is he going to do to get out since like right now he is literally looking weak and unable to even stop the Western weapons that are being utilized by Ukrainians? And I make sure to say this, weapons that are being utilized by Ukrainians, because honestly, for the most part, these individuals, these soldiers, these Ukrainian soldiers have had a very little training in comparison to what a U.S. soldier has on these same equipment. Like seriously, our men and women go through months and months and months of training and we're giving them like literally the Ukrainians a two week crash course on how like to use these machines. And they're, they're still being very extreme, like extremely successful. Imagine if they had to deal with us behind the wheel. Throwing it out there. Also, for all of you that are on YouTube, that this might be one of the most pathetic things I have seen thus far in the war. For everybody that's audio, I'm just going to throw this out there and then doesn't really know what they just saw. This was literally protesters sitting at the U.S. and U.K. embassies asking the United States and the U.K. to stop sending weapons to Ukraine that are killing and injuring Russian soldiers. Just going to go ahead and throw this out there. This is the obvious because this has got to be one of the dumbest things I have seen since the war has actually kicked off. But do they not realize if they weren't inside of Ukraine, then the soldiers actually wouldn't be dying? I'm just going to throw that out there. Probably also gets a bit under their skin just knowing that these Ukrainian soldiers have been training here recently, by the way, a ton over in Britain in regards to urban combat. But before we dive too deep into what is going on over there inside of Ukraine, I want to touch on some stuff that is going on inside of China or around China and Taiwan that comes up. Because... Recently, they, it, they haven't been ramping down the craziness as of just yet. Now, China's Ministry of Defense has actually announced that the People's Liberation Army, the PLA, will be taking part in military exercises with Russian armed forces in Russia's Far East. 
Now, according to the annual plan of the cooperation between the armed forces of the two countries and the agreements of the parties, the PLA will soon allocate and send part of the forces to Russia to participate in the Vostok 2020, uh, 2022 excuse me, exercises. Now, these exercises are an opportunity, apparently, for China and Russia to cooperate militarily in light of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the possible Chinese action against Taiwan. So going back to what I said earlier about the possibility of World War III being a real thing, you are now seeing why I'm saying this, and I'm not sounding too crazy for thinking it. I'm thinking it out loud, that is. Now, according to the Russian Ministry of Defense, the drills will involve 13 training grounds, like 13 different ones, of the Eastern Military District. They will also be attended by the troops of the Airborne Forces, long-range and military transport, aviation, as well as foreign military. Now, you know a stat that is actually kind of funny when seeing it is the fact that China makes up somewhere around 25 to 50%. I know, really rough number there. It's really wide. But that's all the military sales that have been coming out of Russia since the early 90s. And we're now just finding out that most of the Russian equipment is actually obsolete and not able to actually keep up with the America might, I guess you would say, what they have right now. Also, if you're wondering... How well the Chinese economy is doing. Don't worry, I've got something, a little piece for you. It's near a complete collapse as of recently. Nearly half, like a half a million, because 500,000, have actually lost their deposits at banks lent indiscriminately to housing developers who are now facing defaults. They're literally sitting worse off than we were back in 2008, with almost 70% of China's wealth is tied to real estate, which is currently twice as much as the United States. Let, let that one sink in just a tad, all right? Now, we are all... Living here in the United States, like we know that New York and California are some of the most expensive places to live right now. Like, well, like for instance, the medium home price inside of New York is 10 times the medium annual income. Okay, there you go. 10 times the annual income for the medium home price. In Beijing, the same figure is 25 times the medium income. So do a little bit more digging on the real estate market and you will find out there was a fair bit of like Ponzi schemes going on where the developers were actually, this is wild by the way, the developers were pre-selling homes which weren't even built, then they would actually use the pre-sale money to start some other projects and then collect pre-sale money from those projects which have now turned into like buyers, like from the very first pre-sales, having a mortgage boycott because their properties haven't even been started or completed. I know this is a bit off topic from what we normally talk about but I can show you, it's all going to be tying together here in a second. Just, just stay with me. Now, the Chinese government has actually agreed to pay back $15,000 for the lost money, I guess, to every individual, if the banks were not involved. So basically, the Chinese government's strategy here is to then lend more money for over-leveraged over properties, which are clearly not going to be of value. Like, I mean, they're going to have some value, but they're going to be so backwards on them, it doesn't really make, make any sense. And China's unemployment rate is currently sitting at 20% which is extremely high, and I am sure I do not have to explain what that happens, like what that means right there. Like We don't have anyone in America right now where that, that is. Now, I will admit a lot of this research is coming from an individual named Graham Stephen, who is actually another YouTuber, uh, but he was actually talking about uh, ties. It, it just kind of ties into what I've been talking about in previous episodes. China is struggling economically, and I don't really see how they can even afford to go into war right now in the first place. China has told the United States to refrain from sailing also inside the Taiwan Strait, as well as saying that Beijing would take further actions if they did so. And for some reason, they said the United States has actually done too much and has gone too far in the region, which is somewhat ironic if you think about it, because China actually sent 51 military aircraft and six ships around the island today, along with they, they decided to send 25 of these Chinese aircraft to actually cross into the Taiwan Strait median line. So, like, who is really going too far? The United States or China? 
going to kind of throw that one out there. We're going to go ahead and shift over to talk about some Russia-Ukraine stuff there because there is a lot to talk about. And to kick it off with some moronic stuff, by the way, it took place just yesterday, and apparently it's it's okay to take photos of, like, Russian HQs inside of Liz Chansk, and they forgot to turn off the geotagging feature. So, as you can see, they didn't think this one through, and the Russians are trying to look like they're doing something big here. They have, like, really nice rugs in these photos, and they look really good, but they actually literally just gave their coordinates out to the Ukrainian military. So, way to go. You guys did a really good job. Just going to throw that one out there. I'm sure that that building's not going to be around too much longer. And have you ever wondered what the most, like, what, what most of the Russians actually think, like civilians, when it comes to the war inside of Ukraine, or how they feel guilty about the, what they're doing? Like, you know, you know I'm just kind of keep, like, I want to know. Конечно, отрицательно. Это же политические какие-то дискриминации по расовому и по национальному признаку. Конечно, плохо отношусь. Хотели бы посещать и дальше страны Евросоюза? Были ли там? Конечно, хотел бы. Да, почему нет? Мы должны пользоваться всем, ну, как бы всеми правами нормально. Как думаете, почему они вдруг решили вот это сделать? А, ну, потому что у них а, вот эта прослойка а, товарища Сороса находится очень серьезно во власти, поэтому они вот так вот себя ведут. То есть а, сейчас просто нашли повод нам запретить что-то. До этого был допинг, там еще что-то такое, сейчас запретили визы, вот и все. Как вы относитесь к возможному запрету шенгенских туристических виз для россиян? Отрицательно. Почему? Ну, почему нам нельзя выехать э, в другие страны? Почему? Мы что, какие-то, извините меня, звери, что ли, чтобы нас запирать в клетки? Я думаю, что отрицательно. Как вы думаете, почему страны Европы вот сейчас обсуждают это в новом пакете санкций, почему они пошли на такой шаг по отношению к российским гражданам? Завидуют нам. Просто завидуют, это все. Почему потому, завидуют? Потому что у нас все есть. У нас есть газ, у нас есть нефть, у нас все есть. То есть природные ресурсы, природные богатства. Тут все есть, поэтому нам завидуют. Это все. Оправданы ли эти действия? И вот вообще, почему Европа вдруг решила так вот к российским гражданам? Ну, это же уже все знают. Это русофобия. Все. Нас не любят, потому что нас боятся. Ну, наверное, так, если коротко. Такая сложилась ситуация в мире, что на данный момент русских не любят. А заслуженно не любят или <laughs> So the best part of this thing was the second guy's reaction when he asked about the sanction. He follows it by claiming that we're jealous. Americans are jealous of the Russians and we envy them because they have everything from fuel to natural resources. And then you seeing the, the third lady's response because she's apparently scared. I, I don't know. Apparently we're scared of the Russians and it just shows... The, the amount of propaganda that's being pushed to this population, the fact that they don't even feel any remorse for what is going on inside of Ukraine. It's kind of nuts when you think about it, right? Like, these are just random people that are asking these questions. And did you know only 45% of high school students feel they are prepared for college and their careers? Like, today's sponsor, Stride Career Prep, is helping change that. Stride Career Prep lets students take charge of their education with future, uh, with their future by combining real-world skills and training and in traditional academics. Students can earn college credit while in high school or get the training needed to land a job right after graduation. Stride Career Prep prepares your teens for in-demand careers in business, tech, health science, criminal justice, and more. Students can take courses developed by industry professionals preparing for their certifications, get hands-on experience, network, and most importantly, gain the confidence to succeed. Stride Career Prep is backed by over 20 years of experience in online learning. 
Take charge today at k12.com forward slash podcast. It'll be linked to the very top of the description for everybody over at YouTube. If you guys are listening through your earbuds or in your car, go to k12.com forward slash podcast to take advantage of this. Take charge of your children's education. Help them out. I was one of these kind of kids that needed this. I, I can vouch for this. Click the link at the very top of the description or go to k12.com forward slash podcast to take control of your child's education. Now we've actually seen this rhetoric over and over the past few months, and I really haven't seen this this gentleman get this angry recently, but I guess I would be a bit irritated if I knew the world was against me right now and my country had its back against the wall and in certain portions of Ukraine, they're kind of struggling a little bit. You know, you know what I mean? Я задам несколько вопросов, просто я хочу понять ответы. Вот сейчас прибалты там, радостно говорят. Литва, Латвия, Эстония, мы сейчас начнем вообще всех русских фигачить, визы не дадим, недвижимость отберем у тех, которые, значит, приехали. Мало этого, мы у себя на территории запретим говорить по-русски. Сейчас, сейчас, минуточку, минуточку, минуточку. А вы это кто? Значит, вы трибалтийские нацистские в Эмираты. Хотите нам запретить русским людям говорить на своем языке, хотя 40% проживающих в Латвии... So can we just pause real quick and note that he has literally labeled everyone Nazis that's not just like within Ukraine. Like they've been talking about Ukraine Nazis the entire time. It kind of started off with like one group and then turned out the entire country. Now it's the entire world. Like they're literally shoving us in the faces of their civilian population, population over and over and over again until they're forced to believe it is actually true. And they wouldn't be saying this over and over again. Like that's, this is it. This is, it's, it's so, oh, it's so your fear. It's so crazy. Дерутся страны НАТО. Берлин, Париж, Лондон, Брюссель готовы гореть от ударов наших ракет. А если понадобится от использования тактического ядерного оружия. Америка готова будет вступить в бой за Трибалтийские в Эмираты, которые в своем нацистском угаре нарушают права русскоязычных. Now, once again, he is actually painting the picture that the Russians are now in a battle with the entire Earth, who's apparently Nazis. And he's laying the groundwork that Russia apparently is ready to step in and save the Russian-speaking people, which... I, I guess he forgot to mention that they're not actually Russians. They're just Russian-speaking individuals, which we have them all over the world. Like, literally, they're everywhere. In America, they're everywhere. That's like that's literally like me claiming I'm going to save the British because they speak English. Вот Америка готова будет подставить свою территорию под удары Посейдонов, под удары Сарматов, или под того, что есть сейчас на гиперзвуке. Там уже, если НАТО пойдет, с НАТО уже другое оружие, другой подход. Нам их ни нахрен не жалко, они не наши люди. Там уже все, до свидания. Там уже работа будет идти на уровне стратегического и тактического. То есть они этого хотят? Oh, and he's also claiming here that they're going to send these missiles to take out all these other cities and they don't want to take pity on these people because they aren't their people. So my question to him, because we already know the Russian state TV people, they, think, <laughs> they like to go through all these videos and they like to ding them and try to take them down, which has been a, a thing here recently. My question to him is, 
why aren't you using these now if the Ukrainian population you claim to be Nazis aren't your people either? Is it because you are terrified of what will actually happen from NATO countries if you decided to actually do this? People need to realize that the louder a dog barks, the weaker their bite is. Like, it's just, it's just, just, just my opinion there. То есть они вот реально таким образом хотят нас раздражать? Вот я реально хочу понять, вот когда перед НАТО возникнет вопрос, они будут рассматривать, они готовы пойти на ядерную войну из-за идиотизма трибалтов, которые все вместе в одном лифте помещаются? И вот такой Байден, значит, выходит своему народу и говорит, вы знаете... Из-за того, что три дегенерата, собравшись вместе, решили оскорбить русских и решили сделать все возможное, я готов пожертвовать двумя третьими своего населения. Класс. И выходит Листрас и говорит, вы знаете, ради того, чтобы Калининград был в блокаде, я готов пожертвовать тому, что наш остров становится подводным. Не, ну потому что, ну, какие варианты? Другой планеты нет. У нас терпение в какое-то момент времени все равно закончится. Ну, ясно, что никого особо не будет волновать, как мы, что мы, чего мы. Мы все равно окончательные злодеи, мы ужас, мы кошмар. Ничего страшнее, чем мы быть не может по определению. Это все понятно. Только вам всем это не поможет. Вот просто не поможет от слова никак. Я вообще считаю, что нам надо прекращать. Вот, вот реально, была бы моя воля, я бы и 100 тысяч северных корейцев завел, чтобы они разобрались. Притом как, вот есть направление, где работают иностранцы, наемники там всякие. Вот туда Северную Корею поставят. Like, I, le I legit started laughing out loud when I heard this, by the way, for the first time. Like, the, apparently sending 100,000 North Koreans to fight, like, is going to be the end of this thing. Like, the, the, we, should, we should do this. Like, I, I would love to actually see the outcome of this because I could imagine what the North Korean tactics would actually be since they have actually have no real training and they're, like, way more poorly equipped in the Russian military. I have watched, and I've done parody, like, little clips and videos over here on YouTube on this channel, matter of fact, about North Korean training videos. It's absolutely insane. Like, the stuff they do, they take, like, <laughs> like I was going to say two-by-fours, but I think it's more like a like a one-by-two. Uh, it's a one-by-two. They take them and they break them over each other's thighs, their, their heads, and they scream real loud. They karate chop glass. They stuff like, it's like the goof, they choreographed anyway and if you guys haven't seen them you guys need to <laughs> it really it'll make you laugh and you know what i actually forgot to mention this earlier because it's actually really the fact that the russians are so mad that they won't be allowed to visit other countries uh and having their visas banned i was which is kind of ironic if you guys think about it because i thought russia was the motherland and they have really no reason to, to leave right it's the best place on earth like well anyways two russian mig-31s violated finland's airspace just a few hours ago and this is following a cyber attack in estonia and three migs were actually deployed near poland Okay, so I said this earlier, the dog with the loudest bark is usually the most weak and timid. They continue, they, they are doing anything but bullying the surrounding countries, which are much smaller. Clearly, I mean, they're much smaller, but this, they, they, they can't even handle right now the war they're currently in. There has been a ton going on over the last 24 hours when I, and I mean like a ton, I mean a ton. And the Russians down near Crimea are scrambling to save everything they have because it's currently being targeted. 
Now, just to give you an idea on travel time, since the strikes from the other day took out the railway, which would bring supplies in from Russia from or in from Russia to Crimea and then up, okay, into Kyrgyzstan and the whole southern front line. Like I told you guys, it was going to take a long time for them to haul with trucks, and I didn't really have an idea entirely, but it's going to take roughly 12 hours to each destination on the front line where the supplies must stop, then be offloaded from a train into a truck. Now, the Russians are looking at the same distance they had to deal with with their offenses or the offensive movement they attempted on the northern portion of the country, which we know how well that went. Sunni, or excuse me, Sumi, Chernihiv, Kiev. We know how well that went. It went so well that they had to tuck tail, hide, and shift over to the eastern side of the country where they're still at currently, two or three months later. And we've also seen in the past, like the Russians are really slow to react on the ground in a timely manner when it comes to getting their teeth kicked in, which they've been doing on the southern portion of the country. There's not a person on planet Earth that could disagree with that. The Russians right now are reacting the way they are in their, in their, in their TV personalities are acting the way they are because this is happening. Like after the recent events inside of Crimea, the Russian military is urgently moving their warplanes and helicopters deeper inside of Crimea and to the air force that are actually inside of Russia. From what I can gather, it looks like they've actually moved roughly 75 planes and helicopters out of Crimea since the targeted strikes that have occurred just a couple of days ago, which is kind of crazy if you guys think about it, because now the men inside of Kirsten are going to be losing the close air support that they've had, and they're going to be having less time on station with these when the birds when they get on when they get on station, I guess you would say. Like just because they're having to have less fuel because they're coming from a greater distance away. Now, the Russians have also sealed off the entire city of Melitopol, in which they're now rounding up the citizens and conducting mass arrest. And this is clearly done, of course, to instill fear on the local population and to probably try and stop the bleeding that's been going on inside his area. Like, just think about it. They have saboteurs inside this area working, giving coordinates, this kind of stuff. They're trying to actually close off. And we, I can assure you that here she will give you an indication of how this generally works out if you try to hold off an entire city or hold them hostage. Like, just less than 48 hours ago, Zelensky actually vowed revenge for the Kharkiv missile strikes that took place. We spoke about this. It killed, uh, I think, please, please don't give me, I, I think it was 16 or 18 innocent civilians. And honestly, it, it, it seems like he's letting a bit of steam out right now because just last night, another munitions depot inside of Belgorod went up in flames. Explosions at another airfield inside of Belgorod happened, Starry Oskil, which they have not targeted anything in Belgorod in a while, like a long time. There was more explosions, which we'll talk about here later on, down in Nova Kokosha. This is in the southern portion outside of Kyrgyzstan. Explosions and a UAV was actually shot down inside of Crimea again. Russian air defenses were set off near the Kerch Strait inside of Crimea, which is might be an indication that they could possibly be going after the bridge. I don't know. Just saying. I've been talking about this for about a month. I have seen the videos. The ammunition has been cooking off, and it's insane, honestly. Like, it really is. It does seem the Ukrainians may have possibly attempted to take out the bridge inside of Crimea as well during this, and it shouldn't shock anybody. And not only are they hitting all these ammunition depots, but they're 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 kind of testing, I guess is the best way to put it, the Russians' defense around the area, which that is something they're doing. Now, the thing that should worry everybody on the planet right now is the fact that Russia has been pushing the narrative over the past couple days of a Ukrainian false flag attack in Zapsaria. Okay, today, the Russian state media has began and started putting out statements that the shelling of the nuclear plant like there may actually be turning into a large nuclear incident. Okay, today Russian officials have told it's actually like they told the nuclear workers, excuse me, that were stationed down there not to go to work tomorrow, which is kind of insane to me if you guys think about it. And somewhat strange, 
And you know what else is actually strange? The fact that Russian military has actually started to place equipment and ammunition directly inside the engine room there. And if you guys want to know something even more disturbing, the images that I've seen about how far the radiation will be coming out if this place does blow, because it's been coming out from the Russians, they've been putting this out as well. Because for some reason, Russia is at this point of no return, and this could be their only way out of this thing, and they could try to pin the blame on NATO, which they've already started to do. And that's what I, I like to input all this stuff where you guys see from Russian TV, so you have an understanding of what the narrative is being pushed every single day and how these pictures are being painted. But our good friend over at Russian State TV, like I, I, I always like to talk about, has, has some of the craziest things thus far about the current situation there. Вот сейчас наши военные показали, вы в 155-м калибром и прочими натовскими штучками обстреливаете атомную электростанцию. И как дураки кричите, что ее россияне обстреливают сами по себе натовским оружием. Вы кретины. Да если долбанет, у нас-то защитные костюмы есть. И мы не прекратим боевые действия. Нашу армию обучали работать в условиях заражения. А как показывает Министерство обороны наше, вы немцев, поляков и всех прочих куда денете? М? Не, я понимаю, что американцев наплевать. Последнее, что волнует американцев, это если где-то что-то ядерное взорвется. Американцам плевать, у них подход всегда один. Господь разберет, кто хороший, кто плохие. Ребят, у вас не должно быть иллюзий. У натовцев не должно быть иллюзий. Вам это все с рук не сойдет. И вы нигде от нас не спрячетесь. У нас достаточно боеголовок, чтобы каждому по заслугам Ега. Каждому. And by the way, he has to let the entire world know that if this thing does blow. The war will not stop because the Russians will just don protection suits, which means just put them on, and they will continue the fight because they're trained to do so in a nuclear war. I'm going to tell you right now, I have trained myself inside these protection suits. It is going to be one of the most miserable fighting situations on planet Earth. Those men will be so hot, they're not going to be able to move an inch. Like When I mean like dehydration, it's going to be in like... I know, that's, that's a small thing to worry about, but... It's basically just a soup kitchen inside these things. Like, and he also says that Americans don't care. That's absolutely absurd. Because if you guys think about it, uh, if we didn't care about the Ukrainian people's lives, then we wouldn't have sent them almost $10 billion worth of equipment to fend off the Russian force that is currently invading the country. I'm going to throw that out there. And if that were to happen, we know we're going to be the ones that are going to come in and clean this thing up. We're like the world police. But he is right about one thing, and that is the fact that God does not sort out the good, or does sort out the good, excuse me, from the evil. I'm excited. There's a lot going on. I'm glad you guys are over here. We're actually going to be shifting over and looking at some mapping down here near Kharkiv. I'll tell you guys, there's been some stuff going on, and, and there's been some ground movements in certain portions of the country as well. Now, just outside of Kharkiv, the Russians have attempted to actually push towards Chuhi for the first time in a while, but were unsuccessful in doing so. Just south of here, just outside of Chuhif, pushing north, which to me is, is somewhat a little bit crazy because the, I, I'm, sure not, I'm not entirely sure what the Russians even know what they're doing or what their game plan is on this side of the country because thus far they haven't been successful at really much. 
Okay, there, like I'm, I'm just gonna throw that. There's been no change on the western side of Izium. That that same pocket the Ukrainians have, they're still causing the Russians issues right here. They haven't been able to do anything there either. The Kremlin actually is, is is okay. They pretty much have left all the men inside this area high and dry. Like outside of Izium, that is. They've attempted to push south once again towards Donia. Not successful. They tried to push a little bit south. Uh, just south towards Barovankov, that was unsuccessful as well. Both both attempts today, nothing, okay? And what I really mean about the Kremlin leaving their men high and dry is the fact that it really just men, it just left these men down there without a plan or even a target that's feasible. Like these men inside this area just seem like wasted resources because they're still having to feed them and they're not really doing anything. There's been no real uh, change along the route either inside of Bakhmut, so we're going to shift a little bit easter or quite a bit east. This whole route right here is the one we're talking about. No real change. The Russians attempted to take Bilirvika, but were unsuccessful in their attempt in doing so. The Russian front line that actually runs all the way south of Bakhmut as well, so this is the one I'm talking about right here. I'm going to call that the Russian front line on the southern portion of Bakhmut has really been unchanged. The Ukrainians have actually been successfully repelling all attacks on every single major village along this line. So Kodoma, Zaitsev, the second Zaitsev. Yes, there's two in one area. Somewhat strange. Uh, I guess I, 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 I don't know what that word means. If you guys know what this means, please let me know down in the comments. I don't know. So probably should look that up, actually. But the area that actually should be giving the, the Ukrainian people like the, the most worry is on the eastern side of Bakhmut, which is going to be right here. This is the little pocket I'm talking about. The Russians have the largest concentration of men and equipment in here. Heavy fighting has continued, by the way, inside of Solodar with house-to-house fighting happening right through here, just north of that area. It's still being the main thing. I remember, I do have them annotated. Yes, annotated. Big thing here. On this map, the, the ridge lines, the areas are going to be very difficult for the Russians to actually push through. Okay. Now we're going to be shifting south out of Bakhmut, all the way down here. All right. I know. We shifted quite a long, quite a long ways there. Now, the Russians have been ramping up the attacks all along this line and have even launched a few new offensive movements in certain areas. The Russians are currently trying to break through the defensive line set up on the northern side of Avika, but so far the Ukrainian military has held them off, uh, but the fighting has been very, very fierce and has continued as, as if we're making this right now. And this is the area I'm talking about. This whole northern side, um, they, have been, they have been attempting to actually push through Avika. Now, Pisky itself, there's Pisky. The Russians... They have full control of Pisky as of right now, and they've attempted to push out from the town today, but they were not successful. And what I mean by that, they actually pushed an element north, like directly north, and then they also pushed one north, northwest. That was not successful at all. So they didn't find any success in this area, but they did find some just south of here, outside of Soledeski, right there. That little pocket, that's pretty much it. All right. Now, mainly because I want you guys to, to just take a, take a quick gander. Here, here is... For the most part, the eastern side of the country. This right here, this line, uh, I, I would assume that the, the Russians controlled everything on the eastern side of the, the Dnipro. I'm just saying that that line right there, if they, they control all that, there would probably be a win. Like if you just take a step back and just look at this and realize how far the Russians really have to go to have success inside this country of Ukraine, that is, it's insane. It's pretty, it's insane. Like we are, what, six months deep into this war and they have literally uh, have now just stepped up the amount of troop movements inside this entire area right here. That's it. Like, I think it has a lot to do with the terrain and their ability to actually have air support in their advantage. Like, this war is so far from over. It's pretty insane, honestly, if you just think about it. Like, there's so much ground that they have to take to have success. Do they have the men to do it? Do they have the resources to do it? Do they have the money to do it? I have no idea. Okay, now we're going to shift over to Kirsten. All right. Now, when you go shift over here, 
this is probably going to be one of the more vulnerable areas for the Russians as of right now. So in our last episode, we spoke about the fact that Russians have attempted for the first time a large movement to try to regain lost ground along the M14 route, but were unsuccessful and sustained heavy losses. We said this. This is the main route. Leads into Mykolaiv, all right? There's the M14 route. Same area, right there. No real change on this front line. I don't expect a lot of change. That thing I was talking about, sustained heavy losses, it's true. And it took place, but it was actually a company size element that which actually was pushing through or tried to push through. It can vary in size from 100 to 200 men, depending on how well equipped they are with soldiers in the area. And it, it's clearly been an issue in certain areas. But the Ukrainian military was actually able to hit the Russian command control centers and the facilities inside of Novokokoshin. That's the one we were talking about earlier about bombs going off. Yeah, right there, explosions. I am now convinced they actually have men working on the ground. They're feeding them information back because they've been absolutely causing some major damages this past week. The bridge is now completely unusable, and they were able to take out an entire command post. I would sincerely be worried if I was a Russian soldier down in and around Kirsten just due to the fact that a single thing that they were doing, nothing that they're doing right now is working. And their higher-ups aren't even safe from the Ukrainian artillery as of right now. Like, Russia needs Kirsten for political reasons, but currently the terrain does not give them any advantages, and they cannot even keep, keep up their work because the HIMARS are just absolutely, like, demolishing them down there. They're currently losing too many men and supplies to sustain a long, drawn-out fight if one were actually to come. Like, think about it. If the Ukrainians aren't even having to use any infantrymen or even tanks to... And they're literally almost crippling the Russians' ability to advance in the southern region of the country. So, Crimea, Kyrgyzstan, big things are happening. Stay tuned. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm still on my honeymoon making these videos for you guys. I'm out.